So everything about Taunton State Hospital should just be, you know, completely, well, should just be completely dismissed. And I said, well, and I thought about responding, and then you realize you're going to get into an argument that you can't win. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really thought was that these aren't people from Taunton that are in Taunton State Hospital. These aren't people from Bridgewater that are in Bridgewater State Hospital. They're from around the world. I know a person who uh, was from Lawrence, for example, and they had been housed in Bridgewater, and they went to Bridgewater you know, after they were in my facility in Braintree. Uh, and that happened numerous times. It's kind of, and, it, and Bridgewater, which we're going to talk about later, became kind of like the uh, the boogeyman of uh, detention facilities because it was, you need to do what you're going to do, or when you turn 21, you're going to Bridgewater, and then you're there indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely not locals, only locals, who are being housed in these places. It, it just carries that gravitas, that type of reputation with it. You know, it's like, you know, saying, "Oh, I'm going to end up in Walpole if I do this." You right, know right, right. It's a, it's it's a you know it's the it's this creepy, scary place that no one wants to go to, even people who are extremely creepy and deserve to be locked up for the rest of their lives. Uh, that's the place that they fear. All right. Well, speaking of uh, people that we fear, let's check in with uh, Matt Moniz and and his team out in Rehoboth. Now, it's interesting because they're kind of killing two birds with one stone out there. They're working on a on a DVD and. At the same time, they're conducting these investigations for that, so it kind of plays one into the other. But I know they're going to be all over the place in the Rehoboth area, and while they're doing that, uh, they're going to be traveling along Route 44, and they're going to be hoping to pick up our old friend, the red-headed hitchhiker, <laughs> right. who I know that you've been dying to meet. I've been dying. I actually uh, tried to, uh, to coax him out tonight, uh, you know, doing what I needed to do. I touched all the points of the triangle tonight, just kind of coincidentally, not because I was trying to, and... Uh, as I was driving down Route 44, I was, oh, oh, well, here you go. And I kind of pulled off to the side of the road. I honked my horn. Nothing happened, um, except for a lot of people said, oh, he must not be from around here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I probably delayed my getting here until just before the show. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's it's a – and Rehoboth is a great place to do a multiple site investigation. It was the first uh, kind of official investigation that I ever did was I went to Rehoboth. And, and there are so many really good haunted locations that are kind of a, that mixture of the the redheaded hitchhiker folklore and uh, real time experiences. That it's, it's a place where you can really get in a good way lost in what's going on there. Yeah, you well, can do a whole you can do a whole do a whole Rehoboth show or a whole Rehoboth um, kind of excursion. I think we did. I think yeah. we did too. <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you go, you know, you've said in, in previous shows, especially I think in that show when we were talking about the redheaded hitchhiker myth mm-hmm. and the fact that there are similar stories all over the country. Uh, there's actually a group who uh, is one of our friends on the internet on MySpace, and they have a blog where they put up these different uh, hauntings that they have researched. And one of them is a similar exact story to the redheaded hitchhiker. It's the same type of thing, you know, this this phantom hitchhiker that you pick up on the side of the road, and you know he causes havoc and then disappears out of your car. So it, it definitely, like you said, you know, it's something that you find all over the place. Yeah, and what you find is uh, it's kind of twofold. Every time I have a speaking engagement where I talk about the redheaded hitchhiker or the phantom clown uh, activity. Every time I do that, someone approaches me and talks to me and wants me to tell me wants to tell me their story. Um, so it's one of those things that happens often. It's a common paranormal activity. It's a common paranormal experience, and yet it gets mixed up with the kind of legend uh, and, and folklore that's associated with the location. And boom, now you have that. Now you have the essence of what the crossroads is, which is kind of like looking at the those two things side by side and kind of embracing both of them. Just throwing it out there, phantom red-headed clowns hitchhiking <laughs> on the side of the road. You can fit a lot of them into a car. You really could, and they just keep coming and coming and coming. And 
All right, let's uh, Speaking go. Speaking of clowns in a car, yeah, <laughs> let's go out to the most clowns you can fit into a car out in Rehoboth. Let's go to Matt Moniz and his team out there. What's going on out there, Matt? Uh, not much. We're just juggling things, and you know. <laughs> Uh, what a bunch of bozos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, now have you uh, progressed past the cemetery? I know you were going to be headed to the Hornbine School. That's currently where we are right now. Uh, we've got Andy Lake out videotaping in uh, his uh, night vision. Tom Diagostino is walking about doing EVPs. John Horrigan is uh, currently recording some stuff in the car for his uh, radio stuff. Uh, we're we're enjoying the night out tonight. Uh, we're lucky at the Hornbine School because normally the windows are shut. They have uh, like these wooden covers that go over the windows, but the windows are open this evening, or the coverings are open on the windows, and you can see into the school tonight. Which is you know where's what don't I do my impression of uh, Jason Haas here? What kind of paranormal activity goes on in this location? Okay, the paranormal activity that goes on in this location would probably be best explained by Tom Diagostino, who had a personal event happen here. So I'll oh, hand perfect. you over to him. Sure. All right, here you go. Hello. Hey, Tom, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. How are you doing? Oh, we're spectacular. Now, Matt was saying you've had a personal experience at the Hornbine School? <clears throat> Actually, years ago, yeah, the very first time I came here, um, it was broad daylight on a Sunday afternoon and the windows were open like they are tonight which is rare because usually they close the shutters and I was with a friend and we uh, came to school and we're looking around inside and uh, trying to take pictures but you know you're taking pictures up against panes of glass mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the globe spins wow and uh, my friend saw it too and we were both like oh what was that now you know at the time you know you can say what you want but I just kind of passed it over, and then I started reading the stories about the ghosts of the Hornbine, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, maybe something did happen. Well, I mean, isn't that the, the, the claim, is that there's a, a phantom class still in session inside the school? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird, because the globe kind of spun like somebody was trying to find a country or something, you know, it didn't, like, spin, spin fast. Mm-hmm. It moved to, like, um, as if you were looking to find something. And And... I guess some uh, investigators have reported actually seeing, you know, looking into the windows and seeing, you know, the teacher at the front of the class and all the students. Um, right. In, in your opinion, I mean, obviously, you know, we're not dealing with something where, you know, a building burned down while there was a class going on. Do you think it's just a, a recording of that energy, you know, just a, a replay residual haunting going over and over again because that building had that same activity going on so much when it was had that class active in there that now it's kind of just imprinted itself there? Yeah, because actually the residents around here have also heard the voices of children playing out in what used to be the little schoolyard. Yeah. I mean, and, I think uh, that, that the children in the schoolyard especially sounds a lot more like a residual haunting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the case does. the case of the actually seeing the class, which was documented in the, the New England Ghost Files, um, that teacher interacted with the, the person who was observing it. Oh, really? Uh, she definitely looked towards, they made eye contact, she showed... Uh, what I believe Robinson describes as something of like disgust or annoyance uh, that this other teacher would kind of disrupt her class, mm-hmm. which made her then go back and want to apologize, which and then discover they weren't there. So that everyone right. seems to be both residual and some kind of intelligent haunting. Yeah, that, to me it sounds more residual, but um, that could have been. You, you could take that as two ways. Is perhaps the teacher was just walking toward the ghost teacher, was replaying a moment in time when 
they probably wanted to close the windows, and she was standing there and so witnessed that moment, mm-hmm. totally oblivious to uh, you know to her. Right, and perception makes it seem as if she was looking at her. Right. Right. Well, and plus, you know, when when you see a ghost, uh, a spirit appear before you, you know, you can see it, and sometimes you just automatically assume that it can see you, too. Right, and if it's looking in your direction or something, you're probably thinking that it it actually is looking at you and intelligent haunting all the while. It could be just a residual, and, you know, you're just in its line. And I can tell you from firsthand, uh, teachers always look angry. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, huh? (laughs) Especially when they have to teach kids from, you know, six years old to 15 in one school. <laughs> yeah, that, that that must have been tough on them. I mean, I, I can't imagine teaching kids that are 9 and 10, let alone, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, my God, I have 9 and 10th graders, in, uh, 9 and 10-year-olds in my third grade class. So. All right, Tom, yeah. well, uh, stay safe out there, and uh, we'll be checking back in with you guys in a bit. Thank you. All and right. here's Matt. Hello. Hey. All right, well, you guys keep uh, doing what you're doing. Keep on trucking, as they say. Yep, next port of call, Chad Factor. Ah, there you go. And that is uh, also another place there's a lot of activity, so we will be back in touch with you for sure. All right, you guys. Stay dry. No rain yet? Hey, better not. I'm on my bike tonight. Ah, (laughs) you might have to uh, throw that in the back of somebody's truck, brother. It's supposed to rain. At what time? Uh, 60% chance of showers over the course of the evening, intermittent rain. Nothing nothing long-lasting, just showers. All right. Okay. <laughs> Take it Later. easy. Bye. All right. That is Matt Moniz and his team of Tom D'Agostino, uh, Andy Lake, and John Horrigan. And really, I mean, you you get a chance to investigate with all these guys. I have. It really is an all-star team to, to send out to these locations. It really is, and I think they were supposed to have a tag-along with uh, um, Ron Jr. from the New England Ghost Project. I don't think he, uh, he made it out this far from Lawrence, but... Uh, we do plenty but, um, of shows like this all year, and he's definitely welcome to join in. Yeah. Uh, and I'd actually just like to throw out uh, just really quickly that uh, Ron Senior, who is kind of the head of New England uh, New England Ghost Project, is uh, actually went in for surgery uh, earlier this week. So I kind of just want to send good wishes out to him, and absolutely. hopefully, uh, you know, any kind of good intentions or whatever you do to make things better, if you want to ask our listeners to uh, to keep their mind a little bit on Ron Senior. Absolutely. Whatever, however it is that you send positive energy his way, please do so. And uh, maybe now, though, the fact that he's kind of laid up for a little bit, he can take a break and take a rest. He's a guy that just keeps going and going. <laughs> he is. He is. Although, you know, from all reports, even in the hospital, Ron is Ron. So <laughs> we won't get into those stories on the air. But And, uh, and we recommend everybody goes to ghostvillage.com. They are the official radio show of Ghost Village. You can check out their show uh, as well. And... You've been a guest on it. Yeah, you've you've been a contributor was. to it. I actually will be on this Tuesday as well, not to you know pimp another radio plug, plug, appearance. Plug. I know plug plug. Well, plug. it's an internet show, so sure. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, their their international uh, ghost chronicles show. So it's uh, you know I'm going to be exposing myself to <laughs> people in other countries. Just a point of reference <laughs> for you, Chris, in the future, being a teacher. You yes. don't want to go around saying that you're exposed. Right, yourself. I know, I know, definitely. Although you do pass the Corey check, so you're all set. Well, I, I did when I got hired. I'm not quite sure now, but. All right, well, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we'll check in with one of our other teams out in the field, and then in just a bit, we will talk to somebody who has worked at Bridgewater State Prison about some of the hauntings going on there as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Never enter the woods. That is where they wait. Get back to the woods and see how long they can wait before getting scared. 
Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Do your very best not to scream. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Matt, before you get another one of our groups on the phone, let, let's get some of your opinions on the Bridgewater Triangle and okay. a lot of the activity out there. I know that you've been out there with us quite a few times. See, that's the thing. People don't understand how much work you have to do on a show like this. You know, when we do these shows, we have to check in with multiple um, groups. I just getting, point to phone I'm numbers. punchy and, from punching all these buttons. Hey. <laughs> I basically just say, okay, now, them, 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 them. And you're the one that does all the work. Um... But I mean, Happy what are you doing? Huh? Happy to do it. I know you are, because uh, we g- give you that big fat paycheck. If it wasn't for week. this, it, I, I want to get out on a Saturday night. That's the, true. The conductor of the Spooky South yes. Coast Symphony. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know That's if it's quite a symphony. <laughs> I'll play. I'll play the tuba the whole way home. <laughs> anyway, it's only if we stop at Taco Bell. Uh, I just had a Taco Bell. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's not bring up old. Uh, fake evidence uh, but you know what, yeah. what's your opinion on the the bridgewater triangle i know we've been out in the freetown state forest uh, and i know that you've spent time out in the triangle area you know just in in general over the course of your life what, what do you think about well it? some of the stories that i've heard are pretty elaborate mm-hmm. i'm not sure how much um are attributed to exaggeration or not but um sometimes you have to wonder if you because i know with the bermuda triangle you can take the the bermuda triangle put it on virtually any part of uh, the Atlantic Ocean and there's just about as many disappearances stories along with that is that the same thing with the Bridgewater Triangle? Can you kind of shift that triangle over and still have the same number of reports? Can you put it on another area of swamp? Or can you pick any other three vertices? Vertices? Isn't there a um, Want me to tell you the Pythagorean (laughs) theorem? (laughs) A Vermont Triangle tour? Yeah, the Bennington Triangle. Right, so. right. And and our guest last week, uh, who was talking with us about Bigfoot, um, man, Don Keating. Don Keating. <laughs> I can't believe that that, that his name. I'll pull up your uh, your Thank past you. guest for you. Thank you. But I I can't believe that you know uh, I would forget a name like that. But you know Don was talking about the Sasquatch Triangle that they have to, to go out there. So maybe it's kind of like what you're talking about. You know, once you pick those three points, right. you can find uh, the amount of activity between them. Yeah, and it really gives you a starting and an ending point. I mean, if you just have two points, then it's kind of like all the stuff that's kind of happening on the side is kind of lost. Mm-hmm. and then you're just But like how come not just starting with uh, an area where there's uh, maybe a couple of things and creating a circle? Is that because the circle would be too broad-based? And I think it's just the way that things happen. Like you notice one, you notice another, and then you notice a third. Boom. So just kind of your triangle, yeah. All right, well, we do have uh, a group calling in on the phone. Is that is that what we have, Matt? Trying to. Okay. Well, uh, just let me know when you're ready. But, uh, you know, but Matt does bring up a good point, how you can kind of slide these axes over, but w- it's just the number that happens in the Bridgewater Triangles. It's so high that, you know, when you slide it around these other areas, you don't get as prolific a number. Right, and I think that, that you have a lot of places, for example, you were just talking about uh, Don Don's, you know, Sasquatch Triangle. Well, this isn't a Sasquatch Triangle. This isn't a Pterodactyl Triangle. This isn't a Ghost Triangle. This is a triangle where all this stuff is happening, and that's kind of like what hopefully, you know, heightens. And do I think that there are triangles like this throughout the country, throughout the world? Yes, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we're not necessarily unique, but I think that it's unique to this area, uh, and that you can't shift it because it is that multiple leveled, you know, different things uh, that are going on there, and not just one thing that you can really focus on and kind of go in there. Um, 
and maybe you know we're at the perfect time right now, uh, and all of us has come, have come around at the right time to start noticing these things, putting them together, and kind of uh, investigating from different points of view, like you were saying earlier. Just real quick before we jump in uh, with uh, Whaling City Ghost here, but is there anything about the uh, the latitude and longitude of this triangle area? Is there anything strange about those numbers, or uh, not as far as I know? I've been told that they're ley lines, okay. uh, but I haven't done enough research on that ley line theory to. Uh, to, uh, to really say it. I believe Moniz has kind of done some work on that. You may want to ask him next time we sure. We gotta kind of check in with the man. Sure, and we will be. All right, well, let's go to Luann and Whaling City Ghosts on the line right now. All right, guys, how's it going out there? Great. We're having a great time out here. Couldn't you, ask for a better night. Are you getting a lot of activity, or? Um. Well, we're kind of getting the same thing that we got out here in the middle of the winter. It, it sounds like some pants swishing getting closer to us. Um, We've kind of gathered in a small circle and we're trying to see if we can make them feel comfortable enough to get closer to us. Okay. And now, uh, do you feel any kind of positivity or negativity to to what's going on out there? I mean, do you feel like Um, they're being friendly to you? It it always feels very friendly here. Um, They don't feel threatening at all. Even when they're skulking up on you, they they don't feel threatening. It's it's almost like they're curious why we're here. Okay. Now, uh, while you're out there and, you know, you're trying to get these uh, photographs and while you're trying to capture EVP, are you kind of stopping and reviewing while you're there, or do you like to wait and do it all later? Um, we'll review a bit while we're out here. Um, it is a little bit difficult with these tiny little screens and our old eyes and all, but, um, you know, we do usually like, you know, to bring them home and review them on a bigger screen. But, yeah. you know, a lot of times, like, like that apparition in the mill building, I mean, I, I knew that was something as soon as I reviewed it. I mean, a lot of times I like to check and make sure just so I can have, have that help me lead my investigation. You know, you're looking for clues yep. that will help you go in the right way. So I don't see a problem with that. But, yeah, you definitely want to take it home and put it on the bigger screen and, you know, listen with headphones and all that kind of stuff so you can have a, a better chance of seeing what's there. That's for sure. The way that I look at it is when you're there and you're in the moment, you should be using the best camera available, which is your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yep. have that stuff. You can review that stuff. You'll have plenty of time. Hopefully, you can even go back and investigate if you do find something. But your eye, your natural eyes and your ears should really be your kind of guiding point uh, when you're investigating. And then afterwards, you can look at that evidence, personally. All right. Well, uh, let your uh, guest that's with you know that we'll be checking in with her in just a bit. Okay. I certainly will. We're just going to check in with our other field group and then uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll talk with her. Excellent. I will let her know. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Stay safe. Now, uh, for those who are unaware uh, of Anawan Rock, it's in Rehoboth. 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 And it's it's where uh, Anawan made the kind of the final stand against the English Army. Um, uh, more than a final stand, his, it was kind of the final, final negotiations. Final yeah. yeah, it was kind of like they were there. They knew they were going to lose. Uh, King Philip was dead. Um, and Benjamin Church basically said, if you surrender, I will let, you know, the kind of like the lieutenants, you and the lieutenants go. Um, you'll live. Yeah, everything will be good. And he, they did. And then on the way to Plymouth, they were massacred. And do you think that there's, um, I mean, obviously we're speculating here, but do you think there's speculation that they that they did that, that they kind of fell into that trap, and maybe that's why the spirits supposedly hover around that area? Yeah, I do. I, th- I think it becomes kind of a representation of all that went wrong w- at that time. Is that why you it's know? It's that you know symbol of that betrayal. It's a symbol of that you know kind of that that um, 
that unease that the two groups of people have with each other, all that kind of negativity, all that kind of uh, um, um, p- punching each other back and forth, like, you know, not physically but metaphorically. Well, the most common symbolized uh, EVP that people get out of there or supposedly get out of there is... Um, is, is what is it, out of touch between stand and fight? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to try to pronounce <laughs> it, but yeah, stand and fight. So here stand it is, you know, the spot where they kind of gave their surrender. Right. And, you know, instead now the spirits are saying almost like, we made a mistake, stand and fight. Right. It's almost like if, if we could go back uh, and replay it, we would rather die here than die yeah. kind of on the road. Let's, to make not, let's not make any mistake here. It's not like they would have fought and thus won the war and, you right. know, retained their I mean, sovereignty. It's basically over by that time, so... Yeah. So it, it just seems like, you know, that is such a charged area because of what happened there that, you know, I think that can certainly sway this activity and, and make it that much more uh, concentrated. Right, and we also have to take into account the fact that, you know, it is a rock. I believe that they said it was Fieldstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to call it the, the, the rock uh, junkyard. So it, looks, it looks like just a whole bunch of rocks stuck together with cement. You have to take the fact that it is a geological kind of, you know, Anomaly in and of itself. It might be very common in other places, but if you have that kind of uh, that negative energy, which might be generated by the activity, and it finds a place to be trapped, like Moniz was talking about in the in the first hour, you have you have uh, you know the perfect kind of a uh, uh, Bunsen burner for something weird and unusual to happen. Well, let's check in with spies, the Southeast Paranormal Investigators East Coast Society, Stacy and Tracy out there at the Hockamock Swamp. What's going on out there, guys? Well, unfortunately, it's raining, so oh. not all that much. Uh, we had a lot of animal activity, but that's really all we've had so far. We've tried a couple um, EVP sessions, but you, know, you don't really know what you get from them at the time. So we're just sitting here waiting, actually. Well, I mean, by all means, if it doesn't look like it's going to let up, uh, don't don't hang around on our account. But as long as you know you're dry and your equipment's dry, that's what's most important. We have our equipment dry, and we're pretty sure it's. It's raining, letting up, raining, letting up. So we're going to stick it out because we want, we're hoping for something. So we're definitely going to stick it out. I mean, may- <laughs> maybe that's the type of conditions that, uh, that you know, Bigfoot comes out during or, or Thunderbirds or, or some of these uh, cougars that are seen out there. Maybe. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, uh, definitely keep us apprised of uh, anything that's going on, and, and we'll be uh, hooking up with your special guest uh, along with you a little bit later on as well. Excellent. Can't wait. All right, so uh, stay safe, stay dry, and uh, we'll talk to you in a bit. Okay, thank you. And so uh, we will uh, take a break now, and when we come back, we'll talk to uh, one of our guests tonight who will share with us the hauntings that go on at the Bridgewater State Prison and some of the stories that have uh, been told uh, amongst the guards. Maybe it's stuff that hasn't even quite made it out into the public, hasn't even quite made it into Chris Balzano's inbox. And people can get a hold of you, by the way, at your Mass Crossroads website. Tell everybody how they can. Yes, uh, you can go to masscrossroads.com, um, or you can just email me straight at uh, alosa, A-L-O-S-A, 1066, at masscrossroads.com. Uh, I'm on MySpace, you know, MySpace backslash Mass Crossroads. So any way you want to get to me to get your story, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to kind of keep chronicling this stuff. There you go. So uh, definitely, if you don't feel comfortable calling in, you can email Chris, or you can always email us. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also get a hold of us, MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast. And, of course, the best way to talk to us and share your story is to call 508-996-0500. are the numbers. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. But if you ever go back into Woody's 
Yeah, the legend of Wooly Swamp by Charlie Daniels Band. Might as well be the legend of the Hockamock Swamp because uh, it talks about a lot of the same stuff. I wonder if uh, Lauren Coleman gets songwriting credit on that song. Not, probably not, no. No. All right. Well, you know, the Charlie Daniels Band has a lot of paranormally-themed music. Uh, they do, they do. So maybe we, maybe we should get old Charlie on the show sometime. Uh, I, I know somebody that knows how to get a hold of him. Maybe we can get him. Or talk to that other guy and ask him just have a Charlie Daniels show. What's the uh, the guy I'm thinking about? The the rock and roll. Oh, our Gary Patterson. Yeah, one of our favorite all time yes. guests. Get yeah, Patterson back on just to talk about. Uh, we we've got a big show planned with Gary if we can pull it off, and uh, hope hopefully someday we can we can really make it all work out logistically because we want to talk about Robert Johnson and the blues and how all of that the crossroads exactly <laughs> and uh, and we're hoping to get an actual blues musician in here playing some of these Robert Johnson songs during the show. I actually uh, I used that all as a, an introduction to uh, the Devil and Daniel Webster this year in my uh, in my English class, and fourteen year olds' jaws were on the floor as I'm telling them all the kind of the connections with that whole uh, Robert Johnson leading all the way up to kind of like uh, you know Stevie Ray Vaughan and, and some other people. And it, for the first time, these these uh, you know Dominican kids were going home to YouTube to like try to like find all the different <laughs> bands, and they came. Well, Homer Brothers are really cool, and I'm like, then I've done. I don't care whether I've educated you. If I, <laughs> as long as if I made you listen to the Almond Brothers, then I've done my job. There so. you go. All right. Well, uh, we are going to talk to a special guest right now. Uh, her name is Renee, and she works at the uh, Bridgewater State Prison. She's going like to share with us eat. some stories about what goes on out well, there. My phone ain't getting ready to die. <laughs> it's all right. We'll we'll fight through it, Renee. Hello? Hi, how you doing? Hi, hi Tim, how are you? Oh, we're spectacular. Yeah? Now, uh, we, we first met you at the Lizzie Borden uh, Investigators Night. Yes, we did. And uh, that was our first chance to investigate with you and, and to meet you, and now you're uh, out there tonight with Wailing City Ghosts. Uh, how, how, how are you enjoying the experience tonight? Oh, this is great. It's a beautiful night. Now, no rain where you guys are yet? Oh, no. What do you mean? Yeah, is it raining somewhere? Oh, our, our team out at the Hockamock Swamp is uh, experiencing some showers right now. Oh, really? No, it's beautiful out here. Not even a breeze. Ah, well, perfect. Uh, let's hope it stays that way for you. Oh, yeah. Now, now you work at the prison in Bridgewater. Yes, I do. How long have you been there for? 20 years. Wow. So uh, if there's been stories of activity going on, you've heard them. Oh, yes, I've heard them, and I've also seen a few things myself. Well, what type of things have you seen? Um, I was sitting outside one night. Um, well, actually, just before my brother had died, not seeing that it has anything to do with the prison, I heard my name. Ah. You know, and I saw it the next day that he died, but getting back to the prison, I was standing out there with a friend and um, getting some air, and um, out of the corner of my left eye, I jumped because something was moving by me, and when I looked, it was uh, like a flat, low-lying shadow that had, like, it was round and it had, like, swirly edges, mm -hmm. and it slowly moved right by us, and we both, like, looked at it, looked at each other, and, like, what the heck was that? Did you just see that? We didn't follow it to see if it went around the bend or if it kept going or if it just disappeared. And, so, and there was nothing that could have caused that shadow. But you don't think it might have been any kind of, you know, for, pardon the pun, foreshadowing of, of the event of the next day? I don't know. It was a flat, round disc-like with swirly, curly edges, like I said. 
um, and it just slowly moved by me. I jumped. I thought it was a cat. He said he thought it was tumbleweed. But we looked at it for a few seconds and looked at each other in amazement and said, what the hell was that? <laughs> and there was also like the old institution that's up there, Southeastern Correctional Center. It's been closed down for approximately six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Every officer that has worked there has a story to tell. A now, working there when it was open, you mean? Um, yeah, it was open um, six or seven years ago, and they closed it down. It wasn't really fit. Yeah. I mean, the guys had buckets to go to the bathroom. I mean, you know. Um, but um, many, many years ago, two officers were killed there. Their heads were cut off, and they were kicked around like a fucker ball. Now, they were cut off by... Uh by the inmates. By the inmates. Yes. Um, there was also a time, there's a tunnel somewhere there, and people have seen um, body people-type things going from one side of the wall to the other. Now, what yes. kind of, I mean, obviously considering the facility it was, but I mean, what kind of people were housed there? Was it just people who were mentally ill, or was it people who were criminally mentally Criminals. ill? Criminals. That was a criminal place. And and so it seems like, you know, whenever you have uh, mental illness, it's when they have that negativity and that, you know, criminal aspect to it, it's just compounded even more. Uh, being a guard in that type of situation or, or, or being, you know, confronted with these people, I mean, what, what must it have been like for, for these guys to have to go in there and face that and be overcome by it to, you know, have themselves get their heads chopped off? Well, I, you know... Lord knows what could have happened back then, but when I came into the business, the place had changed. It was like a minimum, mm-hmm. more or less medium. Um, there was also stories of um, uh, sitting in the library, and there's two officers there, and then all of a sudden there's a third party sitting at their table. Who was that third party? They don't mm-hmm. know who that third party was. I mean, do you think that's, that's possible, them. that there's something you know negative there that's kind of siding with these inmates and, and trying to, you know, almost helping them overpower the guards almost? It, yeah, it could be something negative or it just could because a lot of people, there was a, there was a morgue there actually. Okay. Not connected to the building, but, uh, you know, so many feet away, there is a morgue where people ha- who had no families were, were placed there and there was a very small, tiny little cemetery right in the vicinity of that little morgue. Um, like I said, the officers have, have been doing their rounds, or they could be just standing there talking to someone, and they hear keys. We carry big four-and-a-half-inch uh, long um, solid brass keys, and they hear the jingling of the keys getting closer to them, getting louder, and then it gets loud, and then it gets softer, like this thing is walking away from them. And I think those are all really common themes for the uh, asylums and for the prisons and for the uh, those kind of weird buildings that we have in the Bridgewater Triangle. The, uh, the, I've heard a ton of stories from the tunnels. You hear a lot of mm-hmm. stories about the third person being there. A lot of stories about the dark figure being there. And kind of to, at least from what I've found, uh, yeah. I don't think they're siding with the uh, inmates as much as they are using the inmates as much as anyone else to kind of almost seems to like feed or at least observe kind of a, mm-hmm. their reaction to uh, the different paranormal experiences. Probably. Now, uh, Renee, how do the inmates... Uh, do they talk about this kind of stuff at all? Do they report this kind of thing? Well, you know what? I don't um, correspond with the inmates. Okay. Because I don't work with those inmates. Those inmates went to another facility that was on their level. Mm-hmm. I work at a higher, a higher um, security facility. But it's all, all these things have come from the offices. 
So I mean, for them to talk about it, you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. a bunch of if a bunch of inmates are talking about it, you can write it off as you know they're just trying to spread spook stories and trying to get you know each other riled up. But you know, yeah. for the for the guards and the officers to be talking about it, then it's got to be something that you all take uh, take pretty seriously. Yeah, I know I would. I'm dying to get in there. I had an officer, maybe not even a year ago, go by there to do rounds, and there was someone that was had the right to be in there, so he went in to go say hello to the guy, and he says, well, well who else is here? The other officer said, nobody. He says, well, who's talking? He could hear a conversation. The other officer said, oh, I hear that all the time. Huh. And it was loud, loud and audible enough, you know, and it makes you, know, you wonder. <laughs> and what she's saying is interesting, because it's, it's another kind of level of this, uh, of the kind of um, you know negativity of the triangle itself, that negative part of it, is that it's almost as if uh, you know the infection spreads? So they come to the Bridgewater Triangle, they get worse <laughs> when they go to the bridge. When they go to Bridgewater State, or they go to they went to Taunton or so or Foxborough, uh, they don't necessarily leave with a clean bill of health. And instead, oftentimes, especially after Dukakis, they get spread to different places. So now what you have is kind of this, you know, if, if you believe in possession or if you believe in kind of influence and obsession, mm-hmm. you now have these Bridgewater Triangle people being spread all throughout the state and perhaps even kind of getting their, their uh-huh. uh, kind of getting, making their roots and infecting in other places as well. Just another yeah. kind of aspect of it. Yeah. And there's also where a few times where I've seen, like, I, I've seen comets, I've seen shooting stars, you know, but a green ball shooting straight down from the sky. Wow. Other people have seen it's it's like a glowing neonish um what's that word I want to use uh, <laughs> like fluorescent yeah, um, phosphorescent huh? phosphorus yeah a green ball and it's just coming straight down it's it's not like shooting across the sky it just falls straight down I mean is there any can you go and find where it hits does it make any kind oh, of no it's just too far okay it's too far you know and and I've seen like um I was outside one night yeah it was a little bit foggy. But there was like a, a green, green haze, like the way you would see a rainbow mm-hmm. after it rained and the sun is out. It was almost shaped like a rainbow, but it was like a greenish color. I even got out of the vehicle and I'm looking around. I'm like, "What the heck is that?" Why? And I'm looking all over and I'm seeing nothing else is shining green like that. But I'm seeing like a green haze. Was this at night or during like the day? I'm sorry. Was huh? this at was this at night or during the day? That was at night. At night. At night. All right, so I mean, it definitely sounds like I mean you're pretty in touch with the activity that's going on there, and you're you're doing a pretty good job of chronicling it. Uh, hopefully, maybe they'll let you into that old section, and you can actually conduct an investigation. I would love to. And now that you've uh, you've made friends with uh, Whaling City there, and I'm sure they would love to join you on something like that. I'm sure you would too. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I'm we, uh, but uh, you know, if uh, if if my head gets chopped off, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. So. Nah, we won't. Sorry, you're gonna, you just have to make sure it doesn't happen. You'll just have to protect I'm a tough me. guy. I won't let him do that to you. There you go. All right. Well, thank you very much, Renee. Okay, Tim. We'll be checking have back a- in with you guys uh, in the next hour as well, so just stay safe out there. Stay dry. Hopefully the rain passes uh, right outside of you and you guys don't get wet. Beautiful. All right. Take care. Talk okay, to you in a bit. Hon, good night. Bye-bye. All right. That is Renee, who uh, works at the, the prison out in Bridgewater, and, you know, uh, we know through, I won't get too much into it, but somebody who works here at the station, I'm sure he talks about it on the air, Evan Russo, uh, he's worked there uh, in the past, and uh, we, he's also introduced us to another former guard uh, who's a friend of his, and you know, that's 
they talk about stories that come out of that place. I mean, they say that there is paranormal activity going on in there. I mean, they, they'll kind of stop short of saying, you know, it's definitely haunted, but they say there are things that are not quite right. Right, and it's usually after they've left or after they kind of are at a safe distance. Uh, those are the kind of reports I get from people when they're, you know, I worked there 10 years ago or, uh, you know, I've, I've worked there. I left, and my brother who works there just left too, so now I feel like I can say something, and then they, they kind of come forward with their story. Do you ever hear uh, from people who were inmates, I mean, who say, hey, when I spent my time there, here's what went on? Uh, secondhand. I only get those kind of stories secondhand. I've never actually been contacted by someone who has been in any of the hospitals inside the, the Triangle or even uh, places like MedState or NoHo or, or It's Danvers. not like a lot of them are uh, being released uh, back into society and... You know what I mean? Right, right. Or, or you know, you want to talk about their experiences. Yeah, so I mean, like, it's like if you get out of there and, you know, you're given a clean bill of health, uh, the ones that do, and you're coming out there, you don't want to really, you know, contact the, the ghost guy <laughs> and start rehashing <laughs> right, it because right, it kind of right. doesn't really... Uh, right, and who would believe you anyway? Uh, you know, Jackie Barrett talks a lot about going into asylums uh, and seeing what the inmates are seeing that people think they aren't seeing uh, and how many dark spirits are actually there and how people in the corner talking to someone, there's actually someone there that they're talking to. Who would ever believe you? If I you mean, came out that story afterwards, be like, hey, by the way, while I was in there, while I was heavily medicated, while I was suffering from a, a schizophrenic break, um, I also had a ghost experience. And, you know, I mean, especially nowadays when there seems to be such a focus on what's the evidence you can get and what's the, you know, what's the meter reading, who would really believe that kind of story from that kind of source? I, I have a friend who's a psychologist, and, and we talk once a week. You can <laughs> probably figure that out from from uh, from your own conclusion, but you know. We, but when we talk, uh, you know, we find that a lot of the times we do the discussion does come back to that idea of you know what's mental illness and what's paranormal activity. Where can we draw the line? Just because somebody has mental illness, uh, and this is this is a discussion that we had a while back, is you know just because somebody's schizophrenic doesn't mean that it's not really happening. Right. You know, it just so happens they're a schizophrenic who is experiencing this, and it it does cloud that you know credibility line. Um, but at the same time, I you know we've had discussions about whether or not that makes these type of people more open to these experiences. You know, if you have a quote unquote break with reality, does it make you less anchored to what we perceive to be reality? There definitely seems to be a, um, a connection between brain activity and abnormal brain activity, and your ability to perceive the paranormal. Uh, whether it's an undeveloped brain from a child, uh, whether it's a developing brain from someone who can cause a, a poltergeist activity, like someone in their teens or, or, or early 20s, whether it's someone who, and I've found this, like kind of across the board, um, or different examples, I should say, of people who suffer from, um, from uh, uh, what do you call them, seizures, mm -hmm. seem to, not during the seizure, but after the seizure, have a, a heightened level of uh, paranormal experiences, too. So it's kind of, you know, there's definitely a connection in, rewiring your brain and, uh, and your ability to see ghosts or at least ex experience you know something that you can't explain well we won't make any judgments about your brain but if you have seen a ghost or <laughs> you've had, had an experience uh, paranormal uh, in the Bridgewater Triangle or, or anywhere else you can give us a call 508-996-0500 and I think it's important each year as we do one of these Bridgewater Triangle shows and, and we look into the idea of what's going on there. I think it's important that we get new stories each year. We get new experiences. People who haven't previously shared their stories uh, not only to help your research and you know to help you further the idea of what's going on, but in this type of format to make people more comfortable about what's going on. I, I can just imagine that there are people out there who 
live in this area that are having these uh, experiences and aren't aware of the idea of the Bridgewater Triangle right. and are kind of going crazy thinking that there's something wrong with them or some you know something wrong with their house and not realizing that they're actually smack dab in the middle of this this vortex. It's uh, I got an email. It's, it's one of the stories in the book about a f- uh, this from this woman who. Her and her husband uh, rented an apartment with another couple who they had known for years and were best friends with. And they'd actually even lived together before. They moved to the Bridgewater Triangle. I believe they were actually in Bridgewater. No, they weren't. They were in one of the Attleboros. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, and within a month, they started not only not getting along, but having really odd, uh, paranoid ideas about each other. That you know, different couples, people in the couples were sleeping with each other, that they were trying to steal from them, all these different things. They finally, you know, left the apartment, never talked to each other again. Um, you know, she had some other kind of weird experience, paranormal experiences while she was in the apartment and never thought until she had started hearing about the Bridgewater Triangle to kind of connect that, not only the paranormal experience, but that negative thing that was going on in the apartment that affected them. Uh, she had never even thought that those two things might be related until she started seeing the research that we were putting out there. So, yeah, I mean, and then by that point, you know, whatever damage is already done, you know, it's kind of hard to to go back and fix a lot of those things. You know, you, you become the Fleetwood Mac of Bridgewater. <laughs> right. It's kind of hard to go back and, and you know do the thirty year reunion tour. All right, Matt. Well, we should uh, we we should definitely throw out a little plug for ourselves before we forget, uh, because if you didn't catch Monster Quest on the History Channel Wednesday night, you will get another chance uh, tomorrow night at seven p.m. on the History Channel. They will be rebroadcasting. Uh, Monster Quest Ghost, which is where they're tracking down different ghost footage, and included in that is an investigation of the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, and, you know, Matt Moniz and I were part of the show, um, we kind of smaller part of the show than we thought we were, but... it Your part was amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Thank you. It's exactly what I've done numerous times for other people, sit on the bed and show them how my legs got lifted up. But now the whole world is seen. But, uh, you know, if you're interested in getting into there and checking out some of the activity for yourself, uh, if you want to go there and book a room and stay there, you can go to their website, lizzie-borden.com, and you can get a hold of them that way. You can also give them a call. I don't have the number right on me, but it's right on their website, lizzie-borden.com. And that's the way to book a room if you want to stay. But if you want to get involved in a paranormal investigation there, uh, give me a call. Uh, give me a, shoot, shoot me an email at uh, tim at spookysouthcoast.com or spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com or get a hold of me through our MySpace. MySpace. To sl- it's all right. It's a three, we still have an hour to go. Show. Yeah. MySpace.com <laughs> slash spookysouthcoast. Get a hold of me there because we are going to be putting together another Spooky South Coast Investigators Night at the Lizzie Boyd and Bed and Breakfast to uh, help people experience some of these things that we were talking about on Monster Quest. And they did a great job of debunking a lot of the. Um, different supposed ghost footage that was there. I really liked what they did with the Vatican footage, uh, but then they were kind of unable to really debunk Matt Moniz's camera footage. Right. Uh, so I mean, that's at ho- holding out. Matt Cost is holding out hope that you know there's another camera of somebody stepping on those wires because he's not buying it. But uh, anyway, tomorrow night, seven o'clock Eastern time on the History Channel. Uh, if not, they have the full episode online at history.com, and you can also download it through iTunes as well. So it's only a buck ninety nine to put on your iPod. So yeah, I've actually uh, taken it, edited so it's just your uh, <laughs> your quotes and just quotes. So it's it's like forty five seconds long. Right, right. Yeah. That actually cut off like the first five seconds because oop oop, they're on throat. So. <laughs> All right, so check that out and let us know what you think. Uh, Shoot us an email, drop us a message, and let us know what you think. All right, well, we are going to take our final news break of the evening. When we come back, we will talk to our new friend, 
James Michael Rice, uh, author of a couple of books. We'll talk to him about those, including one about his experiences at the Hockamock Swamp. And we'll also check in with all of our field teams some more as long as the rain holds off. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more of our live Bridgewater Triangle investigation show here on Spooky South Coast. I know who you are. Spooky South Coast. That's a good show, man. You know what? I got a theory about your show. You guys got no idea what's going on. Well, excuse me for having enormous flaws that I don't work on. Spooky South Coast is back. The key of the whole thing is to think as a child. And for me, that comes very easy. I can South Coast third and final hour of our big three-hour Bridgewater Triangle live investigation extravaganza. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and Chris Balzano of the Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads is along as well. You can check out his new book, Ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle. It's going to be released in September. Uh, you can pre-order it now through SpookySouthCoast.com and MassCrossroads.com. Uh, also, he has uh, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting and the Ghostly Adventures book all coming out as well. Uh, and you know, Matt, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be Saturday night if we if we didn't uh, not know what's going to go on next week. You know that's that true. seems to be our our pattern uh, in this Red Sox season. You know to be able yeah. to say uh, we don't know who's going to be on this week, but uh, you know check the website and we'll let you know later on. But we actually know who's going to be on next week. It's a uh, phenomenal. It is. It's we're going to we're going to have Jeff Peckman, the uh, the person who's been presenting this new controversial alien footage. Uh, he's going to be joining us next week to talk about that footage. Uh, then the week after that, we're going to have one of our patent and we're not quite sure what's going on yet type of shows. But July 5th, we're going to be joined by Dr. William Bradshaw, a demonologist. And we're going to be putting together what we hope to be a big, uh, interesting, definitive demonology show where we're going to take things uh, in a different direction. I mean, still, here it is, you know, two years after we've done it, and I'm still hearing things about the Angels and Demons show that we did with uh, Keith Johnson and Renee Smith. So... You know, maybe we can take that conversation to the next level with Dr. Bradshaw and a few other guests as well. So that'll be July 5th. And then we've got a whole bunch of really interesting stuff coming up uh, planned in the future, including what should be, and I, I'm not going to say too much about this tonight, but should be a historic, monumental show coming up toward the end of July. We're going to do something that hasn't been done on these airwaves in probably 50, 60 years. Uh, and it's going to be something that's uh, unique and different, and it's going to be something that you're definitely going to want to check out. And uh, we'll we'll even we'll get to see if Matt Costa uh, has the skills and the uh, coordination of old time radio producers. We'll just go that far. I can uh, help out remotely. Sure. I okay. don't know how that'll work. But no. All right. Yeah. But uh, we we can definitely come up with something because <laughs> it's going to be big. We're going to have Andy Lake here. We're going to see if John Horrigan wants to get involved. We're going to have. You know, Keith Johnson, as many people as we can, but it's going to be something that's totally not paranormal, which is what makes it really cool, I think. It does. And I'll, 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 if I haven't told you, I'll tell you after the show. I know I know what it is. Okay. All right. 
Well, we'll just tease I've it. Got, to the... I've got my uh, my finger on the pulse of spooky South. There Coast. you go. You do. <laughs> you know what's going on more than we do. Hey, who's our guest the week after next? You know, because uh, we don't. Is the week after next? It is going to be. Well, I'll tell you later. Okay. It's, an, right. it's an exciting uh, adventure. All right, we'll keep it a surprise. <laughs> but joining us right now is uh, first time here on Spooky South Coast, James Michael Rice. Uh, author of uh, A Tough Act to Follow, which is his latest book, and then The Still, a collection of horror short stories coming out this fall, as well as the re-release of his first book, Rebel Angels. If you want to find out more about some of his books, or, or James in general, you can go to jamesmichaelrice.com, but he is with us here now on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing tonight? I'm fine. How are you, Tim? Oh, spooktacular. Now, you guys are still out there, out, out near the swamp? Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. We're uh, still out here at the old Indian Bridge off Elm Street and Bridgewater, and uh, not too much has been going on. We've done a few EVP sessions, and uh, again, as uh, Stacy mentioned, we won't really know too much about that until we go back and uh, review the audio later on. Has it stopped raining at least? Yes, it has. Oh, actually. so there you go. That, that works. Now, you actually grew up in that area, right? I did. I actually grew up about a mile from where we are right now, and... Uh, spent a great deal of my childhood exploring the swamp and uh, the local area. Now, was that just, you know, childhood being out playing outside type of thing, or was there, you know, something that actually held your interest? Were, were you experiencing paranormal activity even then? Yes, actually, from a, from a very young age, um, some of the older kids in the neighborhood would report uh, various things, uh, hearing screams out in the woods, um, finding strange footprints, that sort of thing, and that was years and years before I'd ever heard about the Bridgewater Triangle or ever knew the meeting of the Hockamock Swamp. And uh, my friends and I started going out there sometimes to uh, try to experience something and sometimes just, you know, childhood games, going out in the woods to build tree forts or whatnot. And, uh, you know, we, we had some uh, interesting experiences, and that kind of hooked me. And uh, from a young age, it sort of inspired me, actually, to become a writer. Now, what... I mean, just what was it like going out there in those days, you know, not knowing what it was that was going on and just hearing these stories? Well, it was, it was thrilling. It was it was a little bit scary, and uh, sometimes we would uh, run away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we'd, we'd go out there and we used to try to document as much as we could, just write things down. Uh, we'd experienced uh, a pretty pretty good run of uh, things growing up, everything from... Uh, finding huge footprints out in the middle of nowhere in the swamp uh, to seeing actual apparitions to um, hearing shrill screams um, many just many different experiences and uh, you know nothing nothing that I was ever able to explain or can really explain to this day now what type of apparitions did you see well uh, one time uh, around the time I was in eighth grade um, seven or so of us went out into the woods and we actually went looking um, with a few of our friends who were skeptics and we saw what looked to be uh, what was trying to become a full body apparition that uh, started off as just sort of a blob hovering above the ground had sort of its own luminescence and uh, then sort of rudimentary arms and legs kind of started spreading out from the sides of it and we all sat and watched and uh, you know, talked about it later on and agreed it uh, upon what we had seen, and uh, we walked away with a few uh, people who were no longer skeptics. Well, I mean, at least you had that, you know, that type of built-in support group of other people that were experiencing it and, you know, also not quick to dismiss it like yourself, you know, willing to actually play it out and see what happens and, you know, see what's actually trying to manifest and not run away screaming in that case. Right, right. Now, uh, is this kind of what 
you said it kind of inspired you to be a writer, but is this kind of what has inspired uh, the idea of writing some short horror stories, uh, like the book that's coming out in the fall? Actually, uh, the book that I plan on releasing in the fall uh, is a collection of short horror stories that take place uh, in and around the swamp, uh, but a sort of fictionalized version of the swamp. Uh-huh. And those are actually stories that I wrote way back when I was in junior high school and just decided I'm going to go back and sort of revamp them and touch them up and edit them and uh, you know kind of put them out there and let the world judge whether they're any good or not. Now, I mean, that's one of the things uh, Chris Balzano here is is... He's interested in where the line stops between you know folklore and actual research and investigation. So, but these are based are these stories based on actual experiences, or are they more just you know as your mind started to wander at the possibilities of what could happen out there? I would say it's a, it's, it's actually probably more of the latter, um, where there were some experiences that I had, and, and you know one thing led to another, and, and I thought, well, you know that in itself might make about a two page story, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I, I think that I could fictionalize it and. And uh, it would eventually blossom into something much different. And not every story is actually based on a real experience. Um, some of them are just things that I came up with along the way. And uh, uh, each story kind of intertwines with the next, but they can also be read individually and, and you know, still be self-contained. So it's kind of close to what Edward Lodi uh, has been doing for a few years now, which is that kind of you know fictionalized, but you really, as a reader, can't tell. Yeah, you really the, can't gen- <laughs> where the genesis of it is. But I mean, you know, it, and I think those stories are great when you go into it knowing that you know inspired by a true story, as opposed to actually being the like true account of a haunting. Mm-hmm. Yes, and ac- actually, uh, Mr. Lodi, uh, I-, I met probably when I was about seventeen or eighteen, and, and um, I'm not quite sure of the title of it, but I did purchase one of his books of short stories way back then. And got to meet him in person, and, and he also, uh, you know, was sort of encouraging to me at the, the brief moment that I met him to sort of continue with the writing and to pursue the dream and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, he, he's, he's one of the people who somewhat inspired me. And another one would actually be uh, Lauren Coleman, who uh, was on PM Magazine when I was in sixth grade, and that's when I first learned about the real history of the swamp and found out that uh, I wasn't alone in the experiences that I was having and that... Uh, you know, this was actually something that was documented and, and known beyond my circle of friends. Well, if it wasn't for Lauren, we wouldn't be here right now pretty much <laughs> doing the show tonight because, you know, not only did he coin the idea of the Bridgewater Triangle, but he's influenced, you know, all of us in, in a different way into continuing on this research. Uh, do you see the future of, uh, of what you're doing being, you know, also trying to get into some of this nonfiction research as well? Uh, not not too much, Um for me, uh, you know, coming out here, it's always been sort of a personal hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never found it as anything that was extremely scary or, or anything to that effect. I was always just more of a fascination for me. And if I went out there and didn't experience anything, then, you know, you get to enjoy nature. And if you go out and something great happens that's never happened to you before, then you walk away with a, you know, cool experience. And uh, I, I don't have any plans on... Uh, you know, sticking to the nonfiction, I, I guess I'm, I'm more along the lines of, uh, you know, writing the novels and, and a couple of the, the things that I'm working on really have nothing to do with the swamp. And I, I dabble a little bit in, uh, in drama and, uh, and, and also in screenwriting. So, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not trying to limit myself just to horror. It's sort of uh, a little bit diverse in, in what I like to write about. Well, the, the book that's coming out uh, next summer, a Tough Act to Follow, tell us about that. Actually, a tough act to follow. Um, 
I, I just found out today was released this morning on Amazon.com. Uh, we, we have a habit of that happening, you know. <laughs> sure, books get released around here without people realizing until they come on the show, you know. Yeah, uh, so it's actually a tough act to follow by James Michael Rice, who's available on uh, Amazon.com or CreateSpace.com. And uh, that's a coming-of-age story um, set in the Bridgewater and Rainham area, actually in a, in a town uh, <laughs> that's uh, called Rainbridge, um, believe it or not. <laughs> and it, it's sort of an amalgam of both towns, and anyone who lives in the area would definitely recognize a, a whole bunch of local references. And it's all about a... Uh, young writer growing up and sort of searching for the meaning of life and as he gets older uh, he receives news that his best friend is dying and it kind of makes him take a little trip down memory lane and think about all the things that he experienced growing up and uh, realizes that you know he, he's always sort of had the meaning of life in sight he just didn't know what it was and he finds out what it is at the end of the novel and does it mention Henry's root beer at all? It actually doesn't mention Henry's root beer okay. I, I probably should have though but you got to work it into a future book because uh <laughs> The, the cheeseburgers and the root beer floats are definitely the stuff that uh, dreams are made of. I oh, think. yeah, and you can't forget the milk bottle either. That should probably be in there, too. Yeah, that's true, yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to, to not make it that far. I mean, once I see Henry's coming off the highway, I'm like, I'm just going to go there, bring home a <laughs> gallon of root beer. And Chris, you've never been. We'll have to make sure you go there before you before <laughs> no, you leave. But you have to stop because I'm wicked hungry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, myself, we all live in Ed Lodi's stomping grounds. Um, oh, so we've, okay. you know, he's telling stories about, uh, you know, this this bog where he's seen these apparitions, and I actually drive through that bog on my way home after the show. So, I can tell you whether uh, he's taking a fictionalized twist or not, it still kind of gets your mind going at one o'clock in the morning when you're on your way home. Oh, definitely. Uh, pretty much anywhere you turn in the Bridgewater Triangle, whether you're going to see a hitchhiker walking down uh, Route 44 or. Uh you know, a giant bird flying overhead, or <laughs> or uh, a black panther. Uh, you can pretty much find uh, anything that's involved with paranormal. It's been reported in the Hockamock Swamp. I, I find now too. Uh, I'm I'm a sports writer for my day slash night job, and I've been driving to Boston covering the playoffs. And uh, the car that I have, you know, has a sunroof. So I've been finding that I've been driving home with it open, and I have a hard time not looking up and out the window looking for these UFOs as I'm driving through the Bridgewater Triangle on my way home. Because, you know, I'm like, okay, finally I can see what's over my head, so if they're going to come over and start beaming down on me, I'll be able to see it ahead of time. But I'm constantly looking in the back seat after I get out of Spooky South Coast, thinking I'm going to see something there, <laughs> redheaded or not. That's just because you, you know that we're just more likely to jump in the back of your car and go home with you. It is. You know, who knows what's going to happen in that part? We cherish our there. time together, Chris. I know. It's special time. It's good times. <laughs> All right, Jim, we thank you for joining us. We'd definitely love to have you back in the future to talk some more about your work and just your experiences growing up. And we'll, uh, it will certainly involve you in a lot more of these Bridgewater Triangle shows if you're up for it. Oh, definitely. That's great. And I uh, really appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank you. JamesMichaelRice.com is the website. You can go there and you can order uh, his books there or pre order the ones that aren't coming out yet. And. We'll uh, put a link up on SpookySouthCoast.com as well. Great. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks, Jim. Stay safe out there. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. It's always great when you can make new friends here yeah, on Spooky South Coast. That's what I like about this this year's episode is we're working with, you know, we're working with Matt Moniz and the all-star team he's got. We're working with Wayland City Ghosts, uh, but we're also involving spies who are new friends of ours. And, you know, they've got some investigations coming up down this neck of the woods that we're going to be helping them out with and... Or even just the fact that, you know, we reached out to all these other groups uh, that sure. couldn't make it tonight. But it's like that kind of camaraderie is, is really uh, unusual, I've found. 
actually, if you if you leave Massachusetts, if you leave like especially southeastern Massachusetts, you know, we had a barbecue a few weeks ago, and there were so many of us that were there, and it was like, you know, it was all these people who you know wouldn't be together if it wasn't for Spooky South Coast or if it wasn't for kind of Jeff and and some bringing some ties together, and it's actually unusual. I mean, I've already uh, discovered in other parts of the country that are much more southern than this that. Uh, there's a lot of infighting in just a small area. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, that a lot of people can maybe even take our model and kind of see how we can do these kind of shows or at least put these projects together. I'm still really uh, hip on the whole capers, you know, joining forces with all these different groups to kind mm-hmm. of investigate the swamp from all these different aspects. I mean, just the fact that something like that would be conceived of um, says a lot about the investigators in this area. I mean, I can tell you, uh, Matt Moniz was a guest on Beware Radio, which is the new uh, blog talk radio show of Donald LaCroix and Brian Harnois. So he's the guest Wednesday night right after Monster Quest, so I'm going to go in there and listen in and check out what's going on. So I'm hanging out in the chat room they have on their website. And the discussion immediately, like within moments, turns to, well, I'm mad at this person because this and this, and this person right. told me I shouldn't be friends with this person. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, the, we can't access the SpookySouthCoast.com <laughs> chat room during the show, but there is one there, and we highly recommend that you get on there during the show and, and chat with other listeners. But if we could get on there, I'm guessing that we wouldn't find a lot of that type of discussion going on just because, you know, here and our audience in particular, they're just more open to working together. Maybe we're kind of setting that example by doing these type right. of shows, but I think that uh, it's kind of our responsibility as a somewhat of a sounding board here to tell people that, you know, that's the way that you have yeah, to Yeah, I mean, maybe, it, maybe there's some kind of fight for evidence, uh, and it's just maybe because the Bridgewater Triangle has so many different kinds of things you can investigate that mm-hmm. it kind of lends itself to sharing information and to kind of getting together. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a good place to be here. All right, well, why don't we take a break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, go through our final go-rounds with our investigation teams. We'll also take any calls from you. If you've had any experiences in the Bridgewater Triangle or anything paranormal happened to you, give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for Wareham and the Cape. And we'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hey, man. What? You up? No. Wake up. I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on, it's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Matt Costa, also known as the Silent Assassin, who is over there just killing the production stuff tonight. Matt, did we put some extra strain on you tonight with all these phone calls? I mean, are you gonna are you I gonna sleep right through Father's Day tomorrow? My fingers are gonna be like the Incredible Hulk. But that's how are you gonna make pancakes if your fingers are all? That's true. Because <laughs> you know what they say. Fathers love pancakes. They do. You know why fathers love pancakes? Because it's only like yeah. two bucks to add a full <laughs> stack onto a breakfast. <laughs> That's why. Uh, Matt, where were you on the Monster Quest? I noticed that you weren't on there. A lot of people are yelling at me about that. I, I just want to make it clear that you had to work, that I you were did. invited to yep. be part of it, and that you just couldn't I, get the time off. Yep, basically. And plus, as we said, the History Channel doesn't want anybody that doesn't believe because it ruins the show. It's true. No. I, that's <laughs> not, it's not really true. But now, uh, now I guess we can plug the other show that we all did together that's coming up soon. Can we? 
Yeah. Excellent. Why not? I don't think we're supposed to, but we will. <laughs> uh, conversations with a serial killer. Conversations with a serial killer. All of our friends in England, uh, which we do have many. There's many people who download our show in England. And they'll be able to catch us on the Living Network coming in the fall, right? Yep. And uh, now we don't want to get into too many details, but basically we have the, the little ghost box, the Radio Shack hack that we brought along for the investigation. And I can tell you that one of the co-hosts was so impressed with it that he ended up, you know, asking us to make one for him for his own. And he was bringing it along in future for future episodes. So, you know, maybe we you know, helped open the door for that and... Maybe they'll just edit our part out, but, I mean, still. <laughs> well, hope not. You know, we were there for, uh, for quite a bit of time. But, yeah, it really was one of those things where um, there were a few moments when we were using it, uh, especially with the information that you know we were bringing to it ahead of time, mm-hmm. uh, that we knew ahead of time that really kind of froze my blood. And that's not easy to do with me. But also, too, we get to see the difference between how the... Uh, how the English present the paranormal in their television shows uh, compared to how we're used to it here in America. I yeah, mean, you yeah, don't really get that feel. <laughs> Watching Most Haunted, you can kind of understand, but you kind of think that that might be a, you know, like a one-shot, once-in-a-lifetime type of this is how they handle things, but right. it's not the case. No, it's no, no. They definitely have a British way about them. Yes. I only wish that I had been able to take more pictures, but... uh I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how to turn the beep off of my camera. Now, Jagger <laughs> the producer, and so the guy's saying, "You know, take a picture now. Take a picture now." And I'm like, "He won't let me." But other than that, I, uh, I was a really, uh, it was a really insane and good experience. And and Bobby, one of the co-hosts, was a great guy. He's going to be joining us when the episode actually airs, so uh, we'll have him on. So we'll have to give you a call while you're uh, yeah. down in your new new location in my new my new crib, starting up the uh, what the Gulf Coast. Crossroads.com. <laughs> there will be no, there will be no uh, Florida-related crossroads. Crossroads, uh, at least in name, is a one-time thing here in Mass. So, although I was thinking, if you were looking for a guest for two weeks from now, mm-hmm. perhaps the audience can suggest by going to www.spookysouthcoast.com and clicking on the forum section, where you can suggest uh, any guest you think would might would be appropriate for the spooky crew to either bring in or contact. It doesn't even have to be appropriate. We like inappropriate guests as well. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I actually use the radio show to try to get somebody that I really want to talk to as a guest. Uh, that's kind of, you know, how we got Gary Patterson on the first time, because I just loved his work on Coast to Coast. I said, oh, we got to get this guy. <laughs> He's so awesome. And, you know, but at least that was kind of tied right. into the theme. This actually has nothing to do with the paranormal, but it's part of our initiative to make sure that math and science are studied by kids and appreciated by kids. So, yeah. yeah I'm an English teacher. Yeah, when I tell you who it is later, you're going to be like, yeah. That's yeah. cool. I, I still think you guys should get the uh, the, the Snopes.com guys on. Yeah. And they're, no, they're like, they're my heroes. There's there's so many avenues that we're going to be pursuing in the next couple of weeks. I have a stack of books on my desk like this high of all people who want to come on. And, and I'm here. unfortunately, I'm not jumping on them fast enough because of, you know, we're so behind from all the sports stuff. But... Uh, you know, I'm hearing them on coast to coast. I'm hearing them on every show, and I'm like, oh man, we're missing out on a chance. Like uh, Marshall V. and Summers, who was just on coast to coast talking about, you know, these messages that he's been given by these, you know, alien beings about what's coming to our earth. You know, we were going to have him on down the line, and uh, just so many different people that that are going to be coming on in the coming weeks. But sounds like a uh, an opportunity for a midweek uh, spooky South Coast podcast every week. You never know. You never know. Now that summer's coming and our schedules relax a little bit, maybe we can get some more of that kind of stuff done. At the very least, we should have another Backyard Barbecue podcast. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Because the language no longer continues to shock me when I listen to the first one. So that's how I know I'm getting desensitized. You have to become desensitized to that stuff, yeah. Yeah. 
So now we need to start coming up with all new dirty words. We'll, you know, we'll I, make up our own. I set my grill on fire the other day, and I thought of you guys, really? <laughs> remembering back to that episode. Started a grease fire because I decided to cook bacon on the backyard barbecue. I think I'm going to be planning on doing that tomorrow when we live in the second floor, so it's a little more dangerous. There you go. Yeah. Another element to it. All right. Well, let's get back into the Bridgewater Triangle. <laughs> let's check in with our groups one last time. Uh, we'll go around the board. Sure, let's check in with Matt Moniz and his crew first. I know that they are they were planning on heading out to Shad Factory. They're probably sitting there right now saying, what are those guys going to call? we got other stuff we need to do. But that's what happens here. We've got so many different avenues to pursue and stories to tell. Yeah, I'm interested in what they're actually going to see. I mean, it's that, that's one of those areas of Rehoboth that when it's dark, it's dark. I know that uh, Haunted Paranormal Research Society had some activity going on out there the last year when we did this show. They were going to join us this year, but, you know, we, it's kind of my fault. We didn't really get the word out to the investigators soon enough, so they couldn't pull things together. But we got some stuff that we'll, we got planned in the summer we're going to bring them along for because, you know, they, uh, they're a great group. And you can check out their website, hauntedparanormal.com, and find out more about some of their cases. So we got the, uh, we got the science advisor on the line? We do. All right. Let's go right to Matt Moniz out in the field. Still out in Rehoboth, Matt? Still out at Chad Factory? Oh. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hello. Hey, how hey. you doing? Hey, you right. know, it's, we've been here for three hours. We can't be technically sound. <laughs> it's either talk or push buttons. Can't do both at the same time. Not a problem. Left the uh, Chad Factory. Okay. We just left uh, Palmer Cemetery. Now we're headed to Anawan Rock. Ah, and you're going to meet up with uh, Whaling City Ghosts while they're out there? Yep, uh, we'll meet up with them and say hello, and then we're going to start hitting back because I'm um, watching water droplets start to come down, and I'm on two wheels. I need you to do one favor for me while you're at Anawan, though. Sure. You have your tri-field with you? No. Ah, Luann was getting some very big spikes out of the rock itself. Uh, Tom's got his EMF meter with him. Not a trivial, but they're um, they were getting like you know point one, point two, but then it was spiked up to which say two point four, two point five, I think she said. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if there's any particular reason for that. That's kind of a big spike for a rock, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. So and I know that they're getting some of the similar EVP that they got last year of the drums and the you know just the different sounds that they hear out there. So. Be interested in seeing if there is some some sort of activity starting up out there. We're going to be checking in with them in just a minute. So, all right, uh, and I'll probably be signing off here for the evening on behalf of you know John Horgan, Andy Lake, and uh, Tom Tiagasino. Everybody says hello, and uh, they greatly appreciate the opportunity to be out here on Spooky South Coast. Oh, and we. Uh, we thank them for coming out and joining us. And I want you to ask John Horrigan, Matt, if you can join us for that big special thing that we have in July that Andy's coming along for. Sure. Considering uh, his uh, acting background. Uh, you got it. All right. So you uh, you try to beat the rain home. And uh, I'll just twist the throttle a little harder. There you go. <laughs> Stay, hey, and you know, watch out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> You know, what, for four-legged animals? Yeah, watch out for that kind of stuff, because you can't bring one home on the back of the bike. So Yeah, uh, tell me about it. And Matthew, let me uh, thank you uh, for letting me take your seat for a little bit. Ah, not a problem. I know it, it, is, it is in good hands. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, my good, hands aren't on the seat. Good cheeks, okay. too. So. <laughs> All right, Matt. Have a safe ride home, and, and just uh, make sure that you uh, pull over if it gets too bad. 
All right. All right. Take it easy. Tell, tell the... Yeah, we might hit a hitchhiker with a red beard. We're in that area. That's all right. He's just going to disappear when you go to hit him anyway. <laughs> all right, guys. All right, guys. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye-bye. All right, why don't we check in with uh, Luann's group next, and, and Chris and I will banter while you're getting them on the phone. Yeah, unrehearsed banter. But that's what we do best. But, uh, no, I mean, it, it's it's good that, you know, these teams can all work together out there, and I'm glad that we can bring new groups into this and that's definitely what we want to do uh so in the future if you'd like to get involved in these bridgewater triangle investigation shows just get a hold of us let us know we do them once a year uh, and that certainly could be even expanded uh, i think that we can even start focusing more on some of these individual cases alone because right. there's so many different points now to hit as this triangle expands that you know you can send a team to abington you can send a team to freetown you can send one right but you're still not going to encompass all the different stories and, and activity that goes on yeah i mean i mean the kind of the stuff we talked about today for me was a chapter like i have a chapter on freetown because i'm just basically just a review of dark woods there's a chapter on rehoboth which encompasses all the rehoboth stuff mm-hmm. and you know it's just kind of a summary and then it's like let's find some ones that aren't being talked about uh, let's find some haunted towns that uh that aren't necessarily as popular and often aren't on the map. Brockton, for example, great haunted history in Brockton, yet you know we don't have a lot of uh, information coming out from there. So, um, you know, it's important to <laughs> it's important to buy the book <laughs> so you can see those uh, those unusual hauntings. But you know, and honestly, it's it's you know the, within this triangle there are so many towns, uh, and yet only a few of them really get the publicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, kind of look at what else is going on out there, and you'll you'll find that. There's a reason why there are so many investigative groups and so many stories coming out of these places for yourself. And speaking of uh, investigative group, let's check in with Whaling City Ghosts, who are out in the field uh, for us again tonight. How's it going, Luann, out there? It's going great. Staying dry? And going through the woods as we speak. Yeah, we're hearing rumbles of thunder in the distance. Ah. Uh, um, it, has, it hasn't actually started raining here. Well, I know that... Uh, Matt Moniz and his crew are on their way to Anawan right now. Oh, are they? But they don't have a tri-field with them, so... They don't have the tri-field. But Matt is very interested in the spikes you're getting from the rock. Yeah, I actually got one that was 3.5. Wow. Up there, so... Yeah, they kind of come and go. That's like an electrical device in your home, a 3.5, you know? If you have, like, a lamp turned off. Doesn't that usually run, like, a 3.5, Luann, something like that? What was that, the lamp? Like a lamp that's not turned on, that just has the um, power running to it? Uh, it? It will actually make an EMF, so. Yeah, but right around that 3.5 level, something, you know, single yeah, digits like yeah, that? Yeah, I would say about that. So, I mean, you're, you're getting a pretty good current going into that anyway. Yeah, and it's it's definitely not steady. Um, I pretty much was just leaving it sitting on the rock. And it would stay zero, and then it would just suddenly spike up and just drop back down to zero. Was there? Or it a... would slowly dissipate down to zero again. Louis, was there any other kind of accompanying uh, activity that would go along with that? Whether it's um, a... we're just still getting the sounds out in the woods. It, it sounds like someone's legs squishing together. It definitely sounds bipedal. And I'm I'm very used to being out in the woods. I'm not hearing any animal noises or quadrupeds this this definitely sounds bipedal hmm, very interesting and if it's big and hairy and it comes running out of the woods it's just monies <laughs> <laughs> so shoot first ask questions later shoot first ask questions later <laughs> with your cameras your cameras 
All right. Well, we uh, thank you for going out there and, and investigating for us. And uh, um, I wish the weather could have been a little nicer, but oh, it's beautiful out here. It's not too hot, not too cold. A little bit of a breeze. It sure beats February, that's for sure. Oh, it definitely beats February. All right. And of course, if you come across any evidence, you'll post it up on the forum at SpookySouthCoast.com. Oh, we certainly will. All right. Well, thank you very much. Tell everybody we said thank you, and uh, take care, and have a safe rest of the night. We definitely will. Right, take care, Tom. Bye-bye. Whaling City Ghosts and Luann, their founder and lead investigator, and uh, our condolences out to Gabby, her co-investigator. And uh, so why don't we check in with our, our other group out in the field, spies, and, and see what's going on with them. Maybe they've started heading home because... I'm sure the uh, bad weather has subsided there, and now it's heading toward Luann and Moniz <laughs> right. and all of them. So they're like, "All right, now that it's uh, now that the weather has calmed down, I'm sure the activity has picked up." Maybe that's one of the things that people say, like right Big after foot, the uh, Bigfoot shaking the, the car, and yeah, right after the, right after the storm. And actually, Elm Street was is kind of like prime Bridgewater Triangle um, uh, activity. It's right there, and in, in that little space there's two roads that go off of Elm Street. Uh, pretty close to the exit where there's been a ton of activity in those places and, and uh, in kind of a, the area right between the two streets. So hopefully took that opportunity to uh, to go see some Bigfoot plural. Bigfoots or big feet? Uh, it's Bigfoot plural, my editor says. Oh, so. Bigfoot. And if my editor says it, mm, I have to write it that way. So it's Bigfoot. <laughs> well, it's like, a, it's like a, I got into an argument once with another investigator about EVP and whether or not it should be uh, plural. And I said, no, when you have more than one example of electronic voice phenomena, it's EVPs. Well, this is another interesting thing that they did on Ghost Quest, where EVP is one of those words that is for the entire experience, for one little clip of it. I mean, EVP, the you know electric, electronic voice phenomenon, actually covers so many different things as the word EVP mm-hmm. that it's okay to pluralize it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, basic, uh, the basic rule that we use is, you know, RBIs. Is, is plural because it's it's not runs batted in it's RBIs it's the acronym itself right so the acronym itself can become plural but now we're giving grammar lessons here on Spooky <laughs> South Coast so you know it's late English is so much more important than math and science not if you get to talk to <laughs> Dana Mc- Danica McKellar oh there you go then okay. Winnie Cooper that's what I'm trying to get for us but we'll see if that can work out alright so uh, we will check in with our last group spies Southeast Paranormal Investigators East Coast Society Stacy and Tracy out there at the Hockamock Swamp with James Michael Rice, who we talked to just a little while ago. And luckily they were out there, you know, right at the heart of all of this activity. The fact that they can get cell phone reception out there, which is usually a problem the closer you get to the swamp. Yes, definitely. And it seems to be a problem that Matt Hoss is having right now, <laughs> getting a hold of them. But, uh, I mean, that's what everybody says is when you go out there, you know, plan on being, you know, off the grid. Yeah, it was uh, when we were investigating a few weeks ago in Freetown. It was the same kind of thing. Like I wanted to, I actually just wanted to call my wife and say, "Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm no, out here." And um, we're still alive boom, so far. Nothing, you know. So not only could we not contact the people we were we had lost in the forest, but we also couldn't contact my wife just to tell her I loved her. So I'll do that I, now. I love you. <laughs> is she listening? Does she listen? To no, the show? No. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, neither does my wife. She's so been no. asleep for at least three hours now. That's what she says. She's like, oh, well, maybe if you went on at nine, I might listen. Well, we went on at nine tonight. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of tired. Right. Long day. Long day. Well, when you uh, talk about the Bridgewater Triangle, you know, it's one of those things where some people are just too, almost too afraid to listen. You know, yeah, because well, I've, I've asked her, you know, do you want to read the book? And she's like, I will read the book. You talk about it all the time. Like, <laughs> why would I want to? <laughs> I actually spend the time reading, so. 
Spies, spies are, uh, spies are, uh, spies are like spies. That's okay, though. We appreciate the help that they gave us, and they're probably traveling through some bad cell areas, but, you know, thank you, spies. We're glad to have you on board with the team, and we look forward to working working with you in the future, and uh, we will be hooking up with them uh, very shortly, in about a month or so, at an investigation they have coming up in our neck of the woods. It's uh, kind of a famous place. We go to quite a bit. (laughs) So now, uh, Chris... Um, what kind of things do you think uh, here going on in the future uh, what kind of avenues do you think need to be explored more in the triangle I mean obviously you know you've covered the ghost with Ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle but is there other I mean I know you've brought up the idea of the the puckwudgies in Freetown the zombies in the Freetown State Forest a lot of these you know things that we're just starting to hear reports about what other avenues need to be explored more in your opinion Um, I think definitely um, the connection between crime uh, and the paranormal. I think there really needs to be a kind of in-depth study uh, of these things that Lauren Coleman and Chris Pittman and I have touched upon, these kind of you know, unusual things, to get some actual data that uh, can kind of somehow maybe even you know, put, a, put a, a stamp of truth to this feeling that we get, which is that all this stuff is heightened in this area. Um, definitely like a sociological examination of it. And if anything, um, Lauren's probably the guy to do that if you right. can find the time. Right. I mean, that's kind of, you know, his bread and butter, and that's what he kind of made his bones on. And so I would love to see it taken that way. And, and the exact reverse of that, I'd love to see um, it almost given back to the storyteller a little bit uh, so that people aren't necessarily scared of what they can prove or not prove, but actually just want to get their stories out. And I know that's uh, one, of your, one of your focuses and what you do is you really want to have, you know, the storytelling aspect come back to this. Right. I mean, and I'm not saying, you know, like, let me just come up with the best word to describe this, but to have people, um, you know, we've kind of gone the other way. We've gone from being a society that accepted ghosts to not accepted ghosts to it, now it's accepted more, but, you know, you have to have something to back it up. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, you know, approach me with their stories saying, well, I have no proof of this, but I really have to tell you. Uh, if we could create a, fee- uh, you know, an environment where or a forum where, People could share their stories without kind of having to um, ever hear the word debunk. Um, we might get a lot, a, a lot more information that will give us a bigger picture of stuff that's going on. We can see trends more as opposed to getting something that happens, happened 20 years ago, something that happened recently. So that, that someone uh, is comfortable sharing and we can kind of make, connect that to kind of the bigger picture and kind of like this, this narrative trend that's happening. Um, and then we can bring the investigators in and kind of see if the... the, the the science behind what we're doing also kind of agrees with that trend. Sure. All right, why don't we check in with spies one last time tonight? And if they don't already have T-shirts that say it, they should definitely get T-shirts made for all their fans that say spies like us. <laughs> no? No chance of that? Hello? Hi, how you doing? Hi, good. Sorry, you caught out on us. We know that you've been trying to call us, but uh, we actually couldn't answer the phone. We had a little police action here. There were saw our car on the side of the road and they wanted to check on us to make sure we we're okay uh we, you didn't you didn't mention our names did you <laughs> no we didn't because they don't know where to find us <laughs> <laughs> we told them what we were doing and they told us um, no problem basically happy hunting and hope you find something but it's, we're it's, actually on our way out because we got some pretty good thunder and lightning and yeah. started raining so we are leaving here and we're actually going to one of the bridgewater crypts that is right down the street also in the in the swamp, and we're going to put in a little time there. Wow, so you guys are going to keep going, huh? We are, yes. See, that's what usually happens, you know, the, the teams, they get out there, stuff starts rolling, and unfortunately, in this case, it's thunder that's rolling, so <laughs> make sure that you uh, stay sheltered and, and don't get into any kind of dangerous situations. 
Oh, no, I think we'll, I think we'll be just fine. All right, and definitely if you, you come across any evidence, let us know. Post it up on the forum at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we can have everybody check it out. And, you know, we have, we have plenty of uh, investigators and just people interested in the paranormal who will analyze and uh, dissect evidence right along with you. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having us on, and we really should look into those sharks. Those would be great. Yes, spies <laughs> like us. There you go. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you real soon. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. So, yeah, it's always great when you can make new friends. I first talked to them uh, over the Internet maybe, I don't know, six months ago, and I said, you know, we got to keep you guys in mind when we do the Bridgewater Triangle show this year. You know, it only helps that you guys are, like, right there. And uh, they said they'd love to do it, and we got a hold of them this week, and they jumped right on board. So I don't think you've ever actually, over the course of the past few hours, said what SPY stands for. I think I did, a couple did? of times. Yes. Southeastern, Southeast Paranormal Investigators East Coast Society. No, that's the first time hearing of it. Right. Pretty sure I said it before. You just weren't paying attention. <laughs> I really wasn't. That doesn't surprise me. I told you I was really hungry. Yeah, you know, the, there's a restaurant that's open till 2 a.m. down the street, so you'll be all set. Oh, I'm all set. Yeah. Don't worry about me. I was actually trying to figure out ways to like incorporate you know, Dark Woods or Ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle or Ghostly Adventures into what you were saying. I was, looking for, I was just really just listening to you talking like, ooh, Dark Woods. Okay, yeah, so yeah. Dark Woods would be... Uh, plug, 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 plug. And, and you know, that's that's what we're all about here. It's just, it's, we're here to talk about the paranormal around. That's <laughs> right. No, I, right. I personally see no problem with it. A lot of people, uh, it's become kind of the, I don't know, the fashion statement in paranormal radio here to not let people plug what it is that they're doing. You know, your guest, sure, but if somebody else calls in, you know, ah, 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 no, we're not talking about that tonight. And I just think that anytime you can get the information out there to people about another source that's out there, something else they can study and read and learn, then I don't see any problem with working it into the conversation. No, and I think that, you know, I, I, what I hear from here is people who have something to contribute. And so it's worth a, it's worth a listen to. It's worth a read. So I just try to... Uh, you know, and then half the time we do is do it jokingly anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, we're just kidding around. But, I mean, if somebody was to call in here and say, you know, I wrote a book and this and that and, you know, go on and on about it and it really didn't relate to the topic, I'd say, okay, well, you know, let's kind of bring it back to what we're talking about. But if somebody, you know, such as uh, James Michael Rice here who's written a book, you know, related to his to his triangle experiences, to his Hockamock Swamp experiences, sure, that's fiction. It's not really what we talk about here, but right. at the same time, you know, he has something to offer. He has some insight to offer. So I, I don't shut down any plug. That being said, you know, don't call up and plug your babysitting service or something, you know, <laughs> unless you're willing to donate some time. Speaking of plugs, Matt, were you going to run the uh, the Nippets commercial tonight? <laughs> I, know, I, I know we had talked about it. Would that be a... Uh I love the Nippets commercial. You have to do it for me. Which, which, which one do you like the best? Is it the the jazzy one? It's the uh, it's I'm building a house. Oh, oh, the the, the original Nippets yes, commercial. Yes. I, I'm old school Nippets. I don't even know if that one's on there. Uh, for those who aren't aware, it's my wife's business. Nippets.etsy.com. Nippets.etsy.com. You don't really have to play it, Matt. I'll just add it into the podcast later. Why not? This is what happens when we're trying to get through the last few minutes of a three-hour show. Comedy gold. So, did you have a did you have a story about Father's uh, tomorrow? Day? Yeah. Yes, I do have a Father's Day story I would like to share with people. And you know, being a father now for a few years, like you and I have been, you know, it starts to actually take on a meaning for a little while, and then it'll become the bad ties and the tacky, you know, cards and everything later on. But for right now, it's still a pretty special time. And um, I, I was actually getting ready to come into the show, and I was taking a shower. My my son has a little play kitchen. 
and he's over there, you know, whipping up all this play food because I was just outside cooking on the grill, so, you know, he sees me cooking and he wants to cook, so he makes a Krabby Patty, which is, you know, what the, the hamburgers are on SpongeBob. So he makes me a little Krabby Patty, he delivers it to me in a bowl, and he's like, Dad, Dad, I made you a Krabby Patty. And so I was like, oh, great. So I pick it up and I taste I'm like, oh, it's delicious. And the whole time I'm getting ready to pretend to eat this, you know, he's up on two toes, hopping up and down, like shaking with excitement, waiting for me to, to try it and to say, oh, this is great. This is the best Krabby Patty I've ever had. And just the look on his face, you know, it's just he lit up. And to me, you know, that's what the most special thing of being a father is, is, you know, there's somebody who, you know, cares that much about what I think. And there's somebody else who I care so much about what it is that they're doing, you know, and, and everything that they react to things, and it, it makes it kind of special for me. So, and it's good because you know, in a couple of years, he's not he going to yeah, yeah. care what yeah. I think anymore. He's whatever I think, he's going to go with the opposite anyway, and that's fine. I mean, that's the way that it should be. That's, that's the way that I is time honored tradition. The trick is is to just stay one step ahead of them. You know, you want to not think to make them think what it is that you want them to think. <laughs> it's kind of convoluted, but it all it works. It's, it's I'm pretty mani- sure that I've got this whole manipulation thing of, uh, of fatherhood. I just have a really quick one, too. You, know, you, you think of those moments when you're going to be the most proud of your son, like graduating from college or you know, getting a job or his wedding day. Uh, I can't imagine being more proud of my son than I was a few days ago. Uh, he's been really into sword fighting lately. So anything, you know, swashbuckling, ninja style, samurai, Jedi knight. Mm-hmm. Um and I said, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm playing swords. And I said, well, who are you? Because he likes to take different characters. And my son, out of all the people who have ever put a sword in their hand, my son said, I am Darth Maul. Nice. And he's taken on the Darth Maul persona, and he now uh, he, he walks around the house as if he's Darth Maul. He says, I can be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because he really can't say the full thing, and and my wife is Will Turner. I don't know. <laughs> it's a little exactly bit little all, cross then, cross genre. But it's that thing that you're like, oh my word, I can really influence someone and make them think things. So, I can make a mini version of myself. Right. So other than the fact that he and says, he'll think it's cool. Other than the fact that he says Puck Wudgie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that on the phone, Dad? Puck Wudgie. Puck Wudgie Papa. So um, so uh, that's I guess as far as I can go with my Father's Day stories. Well, you know, when you talk about proud moments of when you, your kid first realized something, it's I, I got to say today we were sitting on the couch and I'm like, Adam, who's your favorite Celtic? Kevin Garnett. What number is he? <laughs> number five. What about Ray Allen? Number twenty. Paul Pierce. Thirty four. Who's number nine? That's Rondo. He's a little guy, you know, and he knows it <laughs> right, all. Right, right. But you know, it, but there was the one time that we were watching the Celtics DVD and I was showing him Larry Bird. And uh, I pointed to him. I go, "Who's that, Adam?" And he goes, "Scalabrini." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not Scalabrini. That's right. Well, I guess okay. For now, talking proud moments. Uh, on Friday was the last day of school, and we had a big barbecue and you know recreation day. And so I brought my son with me uh, to my school, and especially it, it being a, a strong Dominican uh, clientele, if you will. And a lot of them being, you know, more of them have been to New York than have been to Boston, which mm-hmm. is, I find always odd. Uh, a lot of them are Yankees fans. And so my son immediately recognizes the Yankee emblem and will immediately say, Yankees suck. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and these kids thought it was the funniest thing. And I'm like, no, this is what he's been bred to. But you didn't teach him that. It was just naturally. I don't know how he knows. Yeah. I also don't know how he says, F. Jorge Posada. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he learned that from. Punch him but, right uh, in the Adam's apple. That's, that. that's what he says. Yeah. So. All right, so there's there's our little stories to make you worried about the future of our next generations. Be be frightened. Be Be very scared. (laughs) Be even more scared when they pick up a pen (laughs) or a microphone. All right, so that'll do it for this week. We want to wish all the fathers out there a happy Father's Day. 
And uh, we will be back next week with our guest, Jeff Peckman, the man behind the controversial new alien footage coming out of Denver, Colorado. We'll talk to him about that footage. Uh, we'll answer some of those questions we had a few weeks ago when we talked about it. We'll also talk about his new initiative to start an ET commission. So uh, until then, we want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.